0: This is Live on Purpose Radio, episode 510, Better Than Happy, with Jody Moore. Now is the only time to create and live the life you love. I'm Dr. Paul Jenkins, the positivity psychologist. My job is to connect you to powerful positive psychology principles that immediately upgrade your relationships business and mental health are you ready let's jump in hello everybody welcome back to live on purpose radio this is dr paul a shrink who expands your life with another episode of live on purpose radio and joining me today is one of my coaches i hired her look coaches need coaching (laughs) That's and we right. probably will talk about that a little bit. <laughs> Help me welcome to the show, Jody Moore. Welcome, Jody.
1: Thanks, Dr. Paul. I'm so excited to be here.
0: You know what? I envisioned this interview before I ever hired you. Really? Yes, because my wife, I've shared this with you, Jody, but the listeners may not know this. My wife signed up for your coaching program. It's called Be Bold. Mm-hmm. And it's a membership site where people can come and get some coaching and get out of their own head trash and into some really phenomenal upgrades to their life. And she was doing that for about a year and a half. And so every so often she'd come to me and say, Hey, Paul, you really ought to listen to this episode. Uh, hey, Paul, Jody Moore is talking about the same things you talk about. Yeah. Hey, Paul. And finally I'm like, Who is this Jody Moore? And I went and listened. And immediately I thought, yeah, we got to have a conversation here on this mic. And we've come at it from different angles, Jody. but I think we've arrived at some of the same places. Definitely. With how the mind works and what happiness is all about. So, Jody, your book and the title of this episode is called Better Than Happy. In fact, Mm -hmm. your podcast is called that as well, right? Yes talk to us about what that means for you and then let's see where where it goes from there
1: okay so before i explain that title i just want to say i love that you said you envisioned this before
0: <laughs> you,
1: before you even worked with me because i yeah. love moments like that when um you know the reality of life catches up with The picture in our heads because it's just a reminder to me that that's always how it works that you it has to be a thought first before it can become something in reality and and that what we're thinking we are always headed towards at least and anyway it's Mm -hmm. just just fascinating and it's cool when you when we think about things that we want and then we make them happen that's that's pretty exciting
0: that's yeah. that's living at its best, I think. Right? <laughs> well, that's what we call live on purpose. Around <laughs> that's called here. living
1: on purpose. If I've you, ever heard of it, for sure.
0: Have a purpose. You envision that, and then you go create it because your yeah. brain has to create something. Yeah. And with without getting too far down that path, I still want to hear about okay. where you're coming from with this. Tell us a little bit about your story and what this title means for you.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about that. Better than happy. So. Um happiness is something that I love. And I, I'm a big fan of happiness. I'm a big fan of everybody learning the skill of creating happiness, which which you teach really well and and I we both teach it in various ways. There's a lot of people yeah. teaching it, but I think sometimes we are chasing happiness at the expense of a full life. Mm. So, for example, um There are so many ways, like Glennon Doyle calls them easy buttons. There's so many easy buttons we can press that help us avoid discomfort.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And some of those things are more um, harmful to us than others, of course. Like if if I choose to just put an IV of drugs in my arm, I could avoid negative emotion full time, but that would also create major problems probably in the long run, right? There are other Mm -hmm. easy buttons that that maybe in... um, reasonable quantities aren't as harmful, but things like shopping, eating, um, scrolling our phones, social media, all these ways we have in our world today to escape negative emotion. And I love those things. I'm not trying to villainize those things in and of themselves. I just think that being willing to allow discomfort is what actually creates our best life. So if you think about, um, you know, our ancestors living in the cave, and uh, and they maybe they were safe in the cave and maybe, they you know, they had fire and warmth and they had uh, each other. So they had companionship. And and then somebody decided, though, that they were there. There was something better because maybe they were bored or maybe they were frustrated or maybe they were they decided there's, we could do better. We could do more. But we're going to have to leave the cave to be able to figure out how to evolve and how, how to create a different world and how to how to evolve our skills and our knowledge. And, and leaving the cave is uncomfortable, right? You could just stay right. in the safety of the cave or you could leave the cave and create a better life, but that's gonna mean discomfort. And so I think that discomfort is there at times anyway to drive us to be more inventive or to contribute more or to solve for a problem in our lives. And when we mask those problems, with temporary solutions, we miss out. And so better than happy, the idea is kind of like, yes, let's seek for happiness, but let's also get better at being uncomfortable and see where that takes us. I think that's, that's our best life actually
0: in the end. Uh, You know, there's some paradoxes here. Mm -hmm. Seeking happiness. I, I, I heard Wayne Dyer talking about this once. And he said, People sometimes are out there stumbling around trying to find the way to happiness. They don't get it. The way is happiness.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Now that gets deep fast.
1: Yes, I love it so much. I love Wayne Dyer.
0: But it's it's so <clears throat> interesting to me when you look at, you know, like you were saying, if we can just go get rid of all of the negative emotions, and we do that by plugging into some of these easy buttons that you're talking about the the unintended consequence of that is we we don't actually achieve happiness that way we right. might have a temporary numbing of the pain but those who are more enlightened really understand that pain is part of happiness it yeah. in fact it probably <clears throat> creates a rich abundant life for us that's better than happy
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you say that, it makes me think about, I I wish I could give the credit to the right person, but I don't remember where I heard somebody say, like, what is happiness anyway? What is it even? And the the definition I heard that I liked was that it's a moment of not wanting anything to be different than it is. And so that's only gonna happen in moments. Like there's those moments, you know, like I can think about moments when I'm with my family on vacation and for a moment everybody's happy and fed and it's like this moment right now everything's good and then in the next moment a kid's crying or somebody you know something goes wrong yeah but like there's moments of happiness and and that's a beautiful thing but we don't want that all the time actually like we we if you think, let's take a look around at our world, it's both amazing and terrible, and we should want mm-hmm. to want things to be better and different in ways. We, i I, w- I want to want myself to be better and different in certain ways. So happiness mm-hmm. all the time is is like a stagnation that isn't even natural and and not necessary. And uh, you know, you mentioned, we talked about the easy buttons, <clears throat> but there's also also sometimes we just push it down. You know, like we were. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know the clinical <laughs> terms for this and can describe it more eloquently than me. But as a mother, I find myself wanting to talk my kids out of feeling bad, right? When they're mm-hmm. when they're stressed mm-hmm. or scared or anxious or upset, I want to give them all the reasons why they sh- they could think positively and feel better. And that's I think that's a natural instinct as a parent. But I like to pause and. And ask myself, wait a second, am I teaching them that it's wrong to feel bad? And right. I don't wanna teach them that. I wanna teach them it, it's natural and it's okay. And of course, it's not gonna be your favorite part of being a human, but it's an appropriate, healthy part of being a human. And so right. instead of trying to talk them out of it all the time, I'm trying to get better at just helping them process, take deep breaths. It's okay. I understand why. I understand you're feeling that way. I feel that way sometimes too. I'm sorry that you're feeling that way, but it is okay. We'll get through it. You know, before we rush to the to changing it or fixing it.
0: This is something that I run mm-hmm. into all the time, especially with my focus on positivity. Because mm-hmm. there's there's a concept out there and you've probably run into it too, Jody, that's called toxic positivity. And it's really ignoring all of the pain. And just pasting on a smile and pretending that everything's okay. My That's book right. is titled "Pathological Positivity," which sounds a little I like love the same it thing, so much. Yeah. right? But "pathological" also means compulsively driven, mm. like a dogged determination to choose something that serves you better than whatever it was that you were thinking before. And this is one of your specialty areas. I think you do this so expertly in your coaching where you identify thoughts as thoughts. Mm -hmm. And we confuse our thoughts sometimes with our circumstances. So what we think, we tend to believe. Yes. And that gets in our way all the time. And and then we also connect our feelings to that thought. Mm-hmm. Which we think is our circumstances.
1: Yeah, honestly, that concept alone um, of just knowing the difference between a thought and a circumstance or a thought and a fact, if you will, mm-hmm. has been so life changing for me. Um, oh, yeah. Because thoughts, and, and I, you know, just this week, I've had a couple of coaching calls in particular that come to my mind where. You know, I've taught my clients thoughts are just stories, sentences in your brain. They're they're not necessarily true. They're not facts. We couldn't prove them right versus Mm -hmm. facts that are facts. Um, And so they'll say to me, I know that's a thought, but and then they'll give me all kinds of reasons why it it's it's true, right? They might say, so for example, a client I was coaching was telling me about her husband and how he just, he doesn't help out. And he's really challenging to be married to, et cetera. And she, she says, I know these are thoughts, but listen, his (laughs) extent, his family all tells me, wow, you're a saint to be married to him. He is hard. He's a tough guy to be married to. Even he says to me, honey, I don't know how you do it. I'm, I'm like a teenager. So she's giving me all this evidence. Right. And I, what I try to point out to people and what it has taken me years and still I sometimes forget <laughs> is that even though I have all kinds of evidence for my thought, it still doesn't mean I have to walk around thinking it. It still doesn't mean it's serving me for that to be what I focus my attention on, even if I can make right. a valid case for it. Um, Still, This guy's tough to be married to is never going to be a fact. It's always an opinion and a story. And if thinking it makes me resentful, excuse me, resentful, then I have this difficult husband to deal with and resentment on top of it. And so it's only punishing (laughs) me. It's not changing my husband.
0: No, in fact, it's probably making it worse.
1: It's probably making it worse. And so I know everybody's question is okay, so then what would I think instead? But the first and most important, and I, I don't know if you've discovered this, but I feel like the most powerful step is just being able to disconnect from believing that, that your thoughts are true and that the way you see the world is the way the world is. No, it's not. It's the way you see the world. And it's not wrong. It's just a lens and it's impacting you for better or for worse.
0: <laughs> this actually goes against our nature a little bit because our brain has two main jobs. To keep us safe, Mm-hmm. And to prove us right. Yes. And both of those get in our way all the time. That's right. In fact, I was interviewing on on this show on at Live On Purpose Radio. I was interviewing Dr. Richard Nisbet. He wrote a book called Thinking. Okay. Does that sound interesting? Sounds
1: good. I want to read it. And it's
0: it. even got an endorsement from Malcolm Gladwell on the oh, cover. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, I had Dr. Nisbet on my show. And he said, after a career of studying reason and thought and human cognition. He said, the number one error we make as human beings is that we believe what we think. Mm -hmm. This is one of the leading experts in the field. And so for what you're suggesting here, Jody, is profoundly powerful, psychologically sound and enormously difficult to do yes because our brain is trying to prove us right about whatever we already think
1: that's right that's right um i will say though that it only t- for me anyway and many of my clients it takes one or two really profound experiences of mm-hmm. deciding to be wrong giving yourself permission to be wrong
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and not even needing to like sometimes we're we can become very binary in our thinking, you know, so if it's if it's like my husband is is a difficult guy to be married to if that if that's not true, people think what I'm saying is he's super easy to be married to. and I'm saying that doesn't have to be the replacement thought there There's millions right. of options that we could go to. so right. um, but just like I could be wrong, and I've had experiences where like like you mentioned earlier, coaches need coaches and I have coaches as well and have had many and mm-hmm. continue to. And when a coach says to me, but you could be wrong. What if you're wrong? And I just, in that moment, let myself let go of the hold I have on it. It's such a relief. It's like suddenly there's no, there's not a problem anymore. Like, uh, let me give an example. So
0: yeah.
1: um, this was years ago. <clears throat> but I was selling a class or a workshop of some sort. And I was worried that um, some of the people coming there had a different idea of what it was going to be and I wasn't going to be able to fulfill on that idea. So for whatever reason in my mind I just got like people are going to be upset. And my coach was like, What if you made all this up? What if what if nobody is going to be upset? What if nobody has this or 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 somebody does, but it's not going to be a problem even. Like, because I, re- I remember being like, what am I going to do? Like, do I need to alter things? Do I need to give people money back? Do I need to whatever? She's like, what if you ju- just made all this up? And the part of me that wants to be right is that wants to go to all the evidence I've been collecting. But in for a moment, I was like, oh, that would be such a relief if this is not even a problem. And I just made it up. So I decided, yeah. OK, I'm just going to go in. T- I'm just going to stop worrying about it and decide that I could be wrong and go teach that. Workshop as best I can, and worst case scenario, maybe I'm right. Somebody's mad. I give them their money back. Whatever, I deal with it. And that happens, and it, of course nobody was. It it turned out <laughs> amazingly, but like just getting the taste of you're allowed. It's not. I think when I coach people on this, and I say, "What if? What if that's just a thought?" They'll go, "Well, it seems irresponsible of me to not think that," mm-hmm. or or sometimes people are punishing themselves with guilt about. Something it right it just it feels irresponsible, it feels like I deserve this in some way. It feels mm-hmm. preventative to worry about this thing, and when you slow it all down, realize it's not any of those things. it's not responsible, it's not it's not selfless, it's not preventative, necessarily, in fact, probably the opposite. You're allowed to just not walk around focusing on that thing. You have one or two of those experiences, yeah. and it's so powerful that it becomes much easier was my whole point here. Cause like you said, it's challenging mm-hmm. to do. It is until you try it a couple times and then you're just like, what? Yeah. That's an option. I'm going with that from now on.
0: It's, it's a skill set. It, it's a skill yeah. set. And that's why you mm-hmm. get better at it as you practice it. And that's also why it feels so foreign right at the beginning. Yeah. But you also pointed out another important aspect of this right right here because secretly somewhere in our heart of hearts, we hope that we're wrong. That would be awesome. If I were wrong that, you know, my life's going to suck forever, that would be great if I were wrong about that. Mm -hmm. The problem is we know that we're right. Yes. (laughs) and I'm not saying we think we're right. No, it's a different level we know we're right and that's why it creates such a conflict in our mind when we introduce the new thought it's like uh, wait that's not what i already know mm-hmm. right nobody yeah. likes me you know there's a mm-hmm. thought mm-hmm. but if you truly believe that and we introduce the new thought hey lots of people like you mm-hmm. right there's some resistance initially even though somewhere in your heart you really hope that you're wrong yes it's just that you know that you're right yes that's the dilemma
1: well and and um like you said we we want to prove our thoughts true and we even
0: make mm-hmm. them true
1: we even contribute to them being true so if my my if my thought is nobody likes me um i feel defensive or guarded or whatever and i actually become a less likable version of myself and I so I distance myself. Maybe I'm yeah. cold. Maybe I'm just cautious. And I I don't like me. And I don't I, maybe I don't like other people, which makes me sort of unlikable, less likable.
0: You so show we, up in ways that are harder to like.
1: Yes. We make them true. Um, again, even with this woman that I was coaching that was saying my husband, he never helps out, he comes home and takes a nap. And as we examined it, so she feels resentful. She does all the stuff around the house and she tells the kids be quiet, daddy's napping. I'm like, so you're you're helping him. You're making it true. <laughs> like yeah. uh, if I were him, I'd do the same thing. If I came home and took a nap and woke up and the house is all clean and the kids were quiet, I'd be like, this is great. Yeah. Anyway, it's just fascinating. Yeah.
0: Can I tell you, Jody, one of the mm-hmm. things I've appreciated about your coaching, which has helped me personally, but I see it help hundreds of people that you serve on your podcast and in your coaching programs is simply identifying the thought as a thought with no attachment to whether you keep it or not.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: I've I've been practicing this myself in my practice, sometimes my clients, as I teach them what's going on in their brain and how they have different options. In kind of a resigned way, they'll say something like, oh, well, I guess I just really need to change how I think. And my response is, or not. Right. Which surprises them and sometimes gets them out of their chair a little bit because do they want to keep thinking that?
1: It's a really important point you're making because we're not saying that there are thoughts, some thoughts that are better than others. It's just your thoughts going to help create your result in the end. Right. And so, but it's not wrong. We all have, we all have good reasons, valid reasons for what we're thinking. And sometimes it takes some time yes. to be able to let go of thoughts. So, yeah, you're right. And what I see is that clients, sort of like you're describing, I guess I need to think something else. They even start shaming themselves and feeling bad. They go, I know I shouldn't be thinking this. I know you're going to tell me it's just my thought. And I'm always like, no, you, you totally can't. Right, if you could see how many ridiculous not serving me thoughts I have in my head all day. <laughs> The key is to be aware without judging your thought. That's how you get leverage over it. When you judge it, yes. I find you still don't have the leverage over it. If you're not aware it's a thought, That's you're going to be at the effect of it. But if you start judging it, you're also still, now you're just at the effect of a different thought. Like I, there's something wrong with me or I shouldn't be thinking this. So you have to be aware with curiosity, with fascination. I always tell my clients, well, what if you just thought, there I go again, being a human, having thoughts. And isn't it, yeah. isn't it fascinating?
0: Isn't it fascinating how much misery I experience when I have that thought?
1: Huh? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I wonder why I keep thinking that. And and that's it. That gives you the leverage over yeah. it right. um, without the judgment of it. But yeah, you're right. It's an important component of it.
0: Until you see it as a choice, it's not. That's right. That I think is the power of coaching. Mm -hmm. it's so hard to see from inside of your own skin because you already believe that you're right. You already know that you're right. And, and I hear this too. I bet you've encountered this one, Jody, where the new thought is introduced, you know, what about this instead? Mm -hmm. And the response is, well, I feel like I'm lying to myself Mm -hmm. if I use that thought. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. my response to that is often, "Well, you probably are lying to yourself. You just accepted it as the way things are."
1: Yes, the way I hear it a lot is, "Well, am I just supposed to be delusional?" It sounds delusional, right? Right. And we always say it's a delusion either way. It's a delu like your current thought a is choice. a delusion that you've just been c- collecting evidence for because that's your brain's job mm-hmm. to correct to collect evidence for your current delusions
0: collect and, or create
1: or create that's right <laughs> um and if you choose to set it down and pick up a different one and you genuinely want to like i always tell my clients it has to be at least believable to your conscious prefrontal brain it might not be the thought right. that you go to you know automatically But if I offer them a thought that they're like, oh no, I don't believe that at all. I'm just like, okay, that's not the right thought. There's millions of thoughts we could go with here. So let's find one that you at least go, yeah, I do believe that. I can see that that's true. That's the thought that I offer them to pick up and to start now collecting evidence for and just redirecting your brain to. But it's a delusion either way.
0: I think (laughs) some of the mastery that I've observed in your coaching Mm-hmm. is that you have the ability to present an alternate thought as being feasible, possible, and dare I say even true.
1: Yeah, because I'm trying to sell the, their brain on it. So they'll go, maybe that is true. And then they'll start making that one true. Right. So I'm, I'm good is? at sales.
0: <laughs> you are. Yeah. <laughs> you, and then, you've sold me.
1: Because selling is coaching, you know? Right. Um, it, it, and and the good news is though we can sell ourselves and again I we I always test it out like does it feel better and it does it help you be more of the person you want to be so right. that's how we test it this isn't just about like I don't know I think sometimes people think this is brainwashing or like we said delusional and it, it's not we're so grounded in reality here but but there are thoughts that help me be my best version of me. And there are others that prevent that. And, and most of the time I'm just going to operate like a human being and, and you get what you get, but occasionally I'll dive in (laughs) and go, what if we chose this more consciously? If I was consciously choosing how I want to think about
0: this and that's what coaching does. So wait, like on purpose, like
1: living uh-uh. on what if we lived on purpose? What if we
0: did some of that? You know, <laughs> and brainwashing probably has a bad rap. I do hand washing all the time, you know, because <laughs> my hands get dirty. Well, so do our thoughts. Right. What if we have some head trash wash and it them would be up. good to wash them up a little bit? Oh, That's oh, the man. version of brainwashing Let's we're gonna start that up. trend. Jody, as as always, brilliant.
1: Thanks so much, <laughs> Dr. Paul. I love. I love talking with you.
0: It, 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 the conversations are always in my mind so productive because it steers us toward new possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I've appreciated that about your coaching that I've experienced personally over the past year and just the brilliant thoughts that you've shared with us here on this episode today. Thank you so much for joining us here at Live on Purpose Radio.
1: It was my pleasure.
0: Before we let you go, though, Your book, Better Than Happy. I've got a copy right here with me. Yes. Better than, and I bought like six of these for Mother's Day. (laughs) For some of the ladies in my life. Um, It's it's a great summary of some of the powerful truths that you've been sharing with us here today. Folks, you can get better than happy wherever you get your books. Just Mm -hmm. go look. It's not going to be hard to find. The podcast, better than happy, is where you get to connect with Jody. And Jody, you're putting out new episodes on a regular weekly. basis, weekly, yeah,
1: weekly. Yeah, um, great way to train places. your brain. And for anybody who's religious, the book has more of a religious um, um, perspective. Yes. And a, a Christian, I'm a member of the LDS faith, but anyone who's Christian has really loved the connection between the the mental health principles we teach and the doctrine of, of our faith. Um, the podcast has a little bit of that, but it's a little bit less um, of an emphasis on religion. So yeah, would love to connect with your listeners.
0: And then there's also the website, mm-hmm. Jody Moore, spelled J-O-D-Y-M-O-O-R-E.com. And yep. there's all kinds of fun little freebies, of freebies there and there. things that you can connect to. So Jody, thank you so much for the generous contribution that you've made here today. Thank Folks, you for having me. You have heard it from one of the true masters and one of my favorite people, Jody Moore. It's time for you now and for all of us to go live on purpose. Did you get what you came for? Give yourself the gift of taking real action on what you realized today. Please share this episode with someone you know would value it and leave us a rating too. It's time now to live on purpose.